Our motto here is don't just survive, thrive. And the way we survive and not thrive is we keep doing the same thing over and over again, and we're not getting any farther. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. We have to get better. We have to, we have to get better than we were. And we have to continue to move on, and no matter what's going on. And the process we have is summed up in three words, grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom. We're building a kingdom of God. We're developing, and the way we develop is we develop our character for our call. See, we're all called by God to do something, but we need to have the character to do it. When I went to military academy in Southern California Military Academy in Signal Hill, the the motto was character before career. And so what I've, ta- I've taken that character before call. We have to develop our character and be in the process of developing our character before we actually fulfill the call in completeness the way God wants us to do it. It doesn't mean you don't start doing something in the process. It's just until your character is fully developed, you're not going to be in, into an area that, that maybe God wants to put you in. Because if you get to that area, you'll fail. And the way we succeed is we start walking in that call of God in our local church and in our community. And that's how we succeed. You know, sometimes life gets crazy and sometimes we lose our passion. And and you ask yourself, what happened? How did I get there? And, and And you feel like just surviving, but we know that God didn't call us to survive. He called us to thrive. It reminds me kind of like when your computer, your iPad, or your iPhone starts glitching. That's what I felt like last Sunday as I was glitching. And, and so what you do is, is you reboot it. Or a golfer, you know, he's, he's, he, he shoots a bad shot. He takes a mulligan. That's a do-over. That means you get a chance to fix what was wrong. Well, today is my do-over from Easter Sunday. It's my mulligan. And check it out. Every Sunday I get another mulligan. God is good to me. Amen? In 2 Kings chapter 6, There's a story here, and the story is about the sons of the prophets. And what it was, it was the school of the prophets. And at the school of the prophets, it would be our modern-day Bible colleges or modern-day Bible schools where where students are going to to get into full-time ministry and and they're they're, they're check themselves into a a school, to a place to get closer to God, to learn of God. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, The place where we meet with you is too small for us. The prophet Elisha is over the school of the prophets at this time. His predecessor, uh, you know, it was Elijah who was his mentor. But at the time that Elisha is in charge, the ministry is exploding in its numbers. I mean, it's just, it's radically gone up. So he goes on to say this under his administration. He He says, let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. And let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut down a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. 
right in the middle of their, their church growth, right in the middle of this, this prophetic school, right in the middle of this, this ministry, a man had a problem. And the problem that he had was he lost his cutting edge. He lost the tool. You know, there's many people, we start out this journey, this Christian journey in our life, and, and we're razor sharp. We're excited. We're volunteering for everything. We're doing all kinds of things. We're showing up every time the doors of the church open. We were hungry for the word, for prayer, for fellowship. But somewhere along the way, we've lost our cutting edge. Somewhere along the way, we became dull. One way you could tell if you've lost your cutting edge is this, is, is the hearing of his voice, has it become diminished? Do you still hear it as fresh as when you first heard it when he asked you to come in and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Has it diminished from that point? That's one way you can tell. The writer in Hebrews, he captures this thought. And I believe it was Paul who wrote Hebrews, but anyway, the writer captures this thought. There is much more in Hebrews 5.11 in the New Living Translation. There's much more we could like to say about this. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you were spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. I understand that as a pastor. I understand that when I speak words, there's people who don't listen at all They're wondering why their circumstance is so messed up because because maybe the word is coming in, but they're not producing the action behind what it takes to do to get themselves out of the circumstance they're in. And then what do they say they need? Counseling. Let me tell you, the only reason why you need counseling is because you don't do the word. Because the word of God is the best counseling you could ever have. It truly is. And putting God to the test, putting the Holy Spirit to the test, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life to do what he does is the greatest example to show the world that God works in your life today. Have you lost your cutting edge? Jesus deals with this in Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the sower. And in here he says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. He was talking about spiritual people who have lost their cutting edge. So my question to you is this, and this should be in your notes. Have you lost your cutting edge? In Revelation chapter 14, you see the Lord with a sickle in his hand. And an angel comes out of the temple, and he's crying out out of the temple. And with a loud voice, he says, thrust your sickle and reap. Reap the harvest of the earth. What's the harvest of the earth? The harvest of the earth are souls. And what's the sickle? The sickle is the church. We are that sharp edge that the Lord has to minister to souls, to get them out of, get them out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. We are the sickle on this earth. It's time that the church stands up and we start reaping this harvest for the Lord. If we lose our edge, then we're no longer an effective instrument in his hands. If we sit back, if we let other people do it, we're not an effective instrument. I'm going to give you four ways you can tell if you've lost your cutting edge. There's four ways right here. Number one, your words. The Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. 
You can speak death to a situation. You can speak life to a situation. Are your words, are they faith-filled words? Are they words of truth and life? Are they, are they, are they words uh, that are continually talking about the problem in your circumstances? And what's going on? Oh, woe is me. I get sick and tired of asking people how they're doing. Because all they want to do is whine about their problems. And they don't want to hear the word of God to change their situation. They just want to have a pity party with you and have you cry and whine with them. Well, excuse me if I don't whine with you. I just so happen to love you enough to give you the word of God to help you get out of that circumstance and situation. Stacy said it perfectly. I'm there to break your legs, to put you over my shoulders and walk around with you until you fully trust what I have to say, and then you can stick right next to me. So if you all want some legs broken, I'm here to do it. The next way you can tell is this, is your actions. You used to hear all the time, actions speak louder than words, but your actions have to line up with your words. And when your action lines up with your words, you know what that's called? That's called faith. Because faith without works, without corresponding actions, is dead being alone. So your actions, what you do, has to line up with what you say. If what you say does not line up with what you do, you're losing your cutting edge if you haven't lost it already. The next thing is your attitudes. Your body language, your attitude, it speaks volumes to people. Everyone around you. It, your, a negative attitude, it will kill your joy. It will kill your peace. It will kill everything. It will destroy you from the inside out. We're taking a new direction in Thrive Ministry. We're coming up, and we actually have a booklet right now for leadership. And... Sin in and of itself is not going to kick you out of a ministry position because everybody would be kicked out. But what will kick you out of a ministry position starting tomorrow, because I'm warning you today, is if you have a bad attitude or you're decisive. Or divisive, I'm sorry. Thank you for my decisive. Where did I get that from? Or you're divisive. And the reason why these two things will throw you out, because a bad attitude will ruin everyone else around you, and it ruins you from the inside out. Being divisive means this, is you cannot submit to the authority of the leader. And you have to submit to the authority of the leader. And I'm not saying that you have to bow down to the leader like it's your master, but when the leader says this is what we're doing, you don't go against the leader. Those are the two things. Why? Because we're not going to survive anymore. We're going to thrive. That's why. Amen? I'm telling you, this is, this is good. So the fourth reason is your works. What are you doing for God? Oh, you come to church on Sunday. Oh, you, I give my tithes. I show up. Now, what are you doing for God? On Sunday morning, if you've been coming here for a while, what do you do? Do you do anything in the church? Do you do anything in your community? 
our works. We need to be doing something because otherwise we are not acting like the church. We're acting like everybody else. We're pointing out all the problems. I'll I'll say this. If you're bothered about something, maybe God's telling you to do it. He might not be telling you, oh, let's go complain about it. I have not seen in the Bible where he said, hey, why don't you go complain about this because they're not doing it right. You know what I've seen? I've seen any time there was a problem or an issue in the Bible that someone that it was bothering came up and did something about it. See, when I saw there was a problem at this church when I came here, I did something about it. I moved my family and I moved everybody here with just under 20 people. And I said, God, you have something here, something great to happen here. I did something about it. And I said, God, I'll teach your word. Help me. So your works, what are you doing for God? See, when you're spiritually sharp in these four areas, you work like a sharp plow digging in to the hearts of people so that way you can sow the seeds of the gospel and they can be settled in and you can harvest souls. The sickle, the sharp sickle. See, when we're spiritually sharp, God can use us to move people towards his kingdom and into his kingdom. That's what it's for. So if you've lost your cutting edge, the question becomes this. How can I get it back? That's a good question. So how do you regain your cutting edge? Number one, don't condemn yourself. See, the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the King James translation, it says for those who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That is not actually in the Greek. That was added by a translator. So if you are in the kingdom, if you're in Christ Jesus, you should have no condemnation whatsoever. Why? Because condemnation will cause you to be stagnant, and it will cause you to blame others. Anytime you feel guilty, oh, man, it was their fault. It was, oh, man, I can't believe that church did that. I can't believe that pastor did that. I, I can't believe that co-worker did that. Why? Because you feel guilty. Which brings me to the second point. Take responsibility. See, that's what we have to do. Spiritual people lose their cutting edge all the time. If you take a look at this man in 2 Kings, when he lost his cutting edge, when you take a look at it, he was dedicated to the ministry. He was in the school of prophets. So that tells me that anyone can lose their cutting edge. I've lost my cutting edge many times. And I've had to go pick it back up, get it, get it back. So number one, don't condemn yourself. Number two, take responsibility. And there, you know what? There were over 50 men that went out to work that day. But he was the only one who lost his cutting edge. Maybe he lost it because he was using it wrong. Maybe it wasn't maintained correctly. Even though it was borrowed, it was his responsibility once he had possession of it to make sure that it was ready for use. Even though you borrow something and you say, okay, I'm going to cut my lawn and I borrowed a lawnmower, it's your responsibility to make sure that lawnmower is, oh, I'm going to give it back to him to fix this thing before I cut my lawn. 
Really? You know what I'm going to tell you? Go buy your own. I'll fix it and cut mine. So if you've lost your cutting edge, what you've done is you've let the enemy in. You've allowed the enemy to come in. You've given him a place in your life. And the Apostle Paul said, don't give the devil a foothold. See, and when you take a look at that, that tells you the devil can't take a foothold. You have to give it to him. This is something you do, not something the devil does. So stop blaming your parents, your children, your spouse, your boss, your siblings, your friends, your church, your pastor. And start taking a look at yourself. Think, what can I do to be better? God, help me. If you lost your cutting edge, number three, don't keep going through the motions. Hmm. Well, once this man lost his axe head, he quit going through the motions of cutting. Oh, axe head's gone. I'm just going to still hit these trees. He didn't do that. He stopped. But he did something when he stopped. He didn't stop and just say, okay, well, that's it. I'm not going to cut anymore. I'm going to let these guys cut down. No, he did something. The moment he did that, the moment he stopped going forward, the moment this happened, he cried out to the prophet, help me. He cried out to the prophet. He cried out to the only one that could give him help in his time of need. And that's just like us crying out to Jesus because he's the only one who could help get our cutting edge back. The prophet was the only one at that time in the Old Testament who could help him get his cutting edge back. So if you've lost your cutting edge, it's time that we start crying out to Jesus. Jesus said in in, uh, John chapter 7, if anyone thirsts, come to me. And what he said was, if you lost your cutting edge and you're thirsting, I want you to come to me because I'm going to give you your cutting edge. I'm going to fill you up with what you need. So if you lost your cutting edge, number four, where did it fall? So you need to ask that question. Where did I lose it? What happened? I mean, I was on fire and and all these things were going on and life was just so great. But my cutting edge is gone. Where did it go? I'll tell you this. I was riding in in the patrol car before I went to my mom's house uh, in California. And I had an iPhone 8 that I just, just got. And usually I have this clip that clips on my windshield when I'm going on a call. And, you know, I, I kind of I speak into my mic, and, it, and little Siri there, she hooks up Google Maps for me and tells me where to go. And so then psh, I'm on my way, and I start going where I need to go. Well, this was the end of the night. I was getting ready to get off. And it was a slow night. I, I didn't do really that many, if any, calls. I, I can't remember doing any calls, but I might have done one or two. Um, so I was going to go home, and the dispatcher, when I was at the sheriff's department, he said, hey, can you go down and back up THP in Mossheim? I said, all right, not a problem. You know, over there in Main Street. I said, all right. So I jumped in the patrol car, but I didn't have my, my clip thing that night, so I was doing it on my lap. So I'm driving down the road, sirens, lights going, woo, you know, on my way to back someone up. I get there, and I jump out of the car. You know, I mean, I'm I'm excited, I'm ready, you know, and I and and mouth is dry. It's like fight or flight mode. The people are getting, you know, what's going on? And so, you know, we handle the call. Uh, 
One person ends up going to jail, and the other person, I, I ended up taking them home. I dropped them off, and then I'm ready, I'm ready to go home now. So I get home, and I realize I lost my iPhone. And then I remembered, I said, it was on my lap. I jumped out of the car, so it had to fly onto the ground on Main Street in Mossan, and that's where it's at. So what I did is I got my iPad, and I got the iPhone locator, and guess where I saw it? I saw it where I said I lost it, but guess what? It was gone. Somebody took it. Now, Rick, what's the point of that story? The point of the story is this. I knew where I lost it, and you know where you lost your cutting edge. You can identify it. You can figure it out. You don't, you don't need to get a cutting-edge locator. Matter of fact, if you have a cutting-edge locator, it's called the Holy Spirit. If all of a sudden you say, man, I just I can't, Lord, help me out here, he'll help you. He'll show you where you lost your cutting edge. So if you're lost or cutting edge, you feel dry, you're disconnected, worn out, you're just going through the motions, you know, and, and, and you're going nowhere on the inside. And, and so you have to ask, where, where did I lose it? Where did I fall? Where did I fail? And it could be because you're hanging out with the wrong people. It could be because you're angry and you haven't decided to forgive them. It could be just because some little secret sin came into your life and you just don't know how to get rid of it. So you need to ask the question, where did I lose it? And then when you find out where you lose it, number five, you have the stick. Now, what does the stick have to do with it? And the stick brings you to something greater. That's what the stick does. Just like Moses threw the stick into the pools of Mara, and he turned the bitter water sweet. See, what happened was the, the Hebrews came out of Egypt. They were in slavery, and they were thirsty for about three days. They were complaining, and they were whining, and they were moaning. And, and, and so what happened was they ran across these pools, and they were bitter. And, and so Moses cries out to God. He was the prophet that cried out to God. God gave him the answer. God shows him a stick, and he takes that stick, throws it in the water, and he made the bitter water sweet. The stick is a type of the cross at Calvary. And that's what the stick is. It brings you to something greater. When you apply the cross of Calvary, the stick, to the bitter waters of your life, your life becomes The stick that Elijah used represented the cross. Whatever has been lost can be recovered through the cross. That's what he was saying. So a heart that is hard like iron can be lifted from the bottom of the river from the bottom of the miry clay, from the bottom of the depths of the pits, it can be lifted to the top with the application of the stick. Where God's rescue intersected with our rebellion, that's the stick. That's where your answer is. You want to know where your answer is? It's in Jesus. It's not in Sunday morning, and it's not in Monday through Saturday. It's in him. In him, we live, we move, we have our being. That's what the word says. Okay. Number six. God's part. It was God who made the iron float. 
God does the miraculous. He does what you can't do. That's God. You can't regain what you've lost. You can regain your first love. You can regain your passion. You can regain all of these things, but that's God's part. And then the last point is this one. It's number seven, and that's our part. You and I, we have a part in this. The first part is this, is at the end, reach out and take it. That's what he told them. When it floated to the top, he said, reach out and take it. So that's our part. We've got to reach out and take it. And, and we can only do that by faith. 